There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Here, here's something that came up the other day. Are you, is is yeah. the machine on? Yeah, we should introduce everyone. We kind of have. Yeah. Already. Yeah, oh, yeah we've got into like, okay, so, the, so Ronald, <laughs> F. Ronnie, Bame. F, F and Ronnie. F and Ronnie. Um, being in the trades and having employees, Ronnie's name is usually preceded by Evan. <laughs> by, only by my employees. Which, yeah, not clients. But by employees. which you and your brothers are several of my ex-employees. Yeah, and when I worked there, we would always say, well, hey, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> I hate this job. Evan, Ronnie. But you never said it to my face. No, I'm too, yeah. I was brought up. I was not brought up that way. I was brought up to talk bad about people behind their back. <laughs> That's my Midwest upbringing. Um, Giannis Putellis, a guy, Yanni, a guy wrote in to say that if you go into, um, some voice thing, some voice recognition thing and say Janice Putellis, it'll say, did you mean Giannis Putellis? Is that right? Yeah. He thinks he must be famous. I wonder how many times he tried that voice recognition. Yeah. Janice Poodles. Now, when, yeah, because when I go to have my car call you, I have to say, call Janice Putellis. And then it pulls you up. Yeah. If I say call Giannis, it doesn't know what I'm talking about. Doug Dern. Here I am. And Rufus Wolf. You got it. Russell Wolf. You got it, brother. Rufus. Roof. Roof. Just roof. Like roof. the one on your house. 
uh, the one over this hotel in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> Uh, Doug, what we we were talking about this the other day, and I made a mistake. And man, did we get a lot of dudes writing in about um, the correction. I said that the biggest whitetail ever killed, and I I gave the wrong place. Huh? Do you know the answer? You being a whitetail feller? Um, you know I don't. I do, but I don't. I can't. I can't think of it. Is right it now. Milo? Pat, yeah, Pat yeah. Durkin drives around. Do you know? On Durkin's truck, do you know that Durkin has decals of the world's biggest whitetails on his truck? It's like sticker cutouts. Doesn't everybody in Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> he keeps it next to his, his Packers sticker, of course. And then <laughs> arrayed around the Packers sticker are big, giant whitetail bucks. I never made the connection. You don't was... know about the Milo Hansen bucks? Actually, I knew about them. I, yeah, Isn't that's... that Ohio? It's a no. Saskatchewan, right? It's a Saskatchewan. I yeah. had said that it was shot in Alberta, and this guy says, among several other uh, fellers, says this is incorrect. The world's largest typical white-tailed white -tailed deer was shot in Saskatchewan by Milo Hansen in 1993, 213 and 5 eighths inches. This guy also goes on to say, like, we get... We get People annoyed all the time because, like, when we'll talk about various calibers, we don't talk about the 308. This guy goes on to say it's interesting to note that two of the top three world record typical white Dale deer were taken by 308 Winchesters. And he goes on from there to say, This is why I call my 308 the big giant deer tractor. That's a long name for a caliber. Mm hmm. That was the thing I wanted to bring up. Another coincidence, correction. though, still. I'm going to drop coincidence on that one. You think coincidence? I think coincidence, too. Because uh, we, we acknowledge corrections. Um, there's some podcasts, if they acknowledge corrections, they wouldn't have time for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because we, there's, there's a lot of new shows, too, out there. We They wouldn't have time for the new show if they had to sit around acknowledging <laughs> corrections. Oh, yeah. So we... Um, because we acknowledge corrections, I think that it generates a lot more corrections. It's like a, yeah, it's like sure. a snake eating its tail. It's catch twenty two. Yeah, I had said how Petty's American Girl. I'm looking at you, Doug. Cause I know you like uh, Tom Petty. You like a music feller. Yeah. Um, I had said because I had always heard that American Girl was based on a suicide of a student that uh, in, in Gainesville, Florida, the Gators. I'd always heard that. This guy wrote it and said it's complete horse shit. It's not about a girl. There was a suicide. It's not about that girl. Um, it's urban legend. Petty talked about it. This guy says, I'm not trying to rag on you, but you ought to know. It's more of a composite or something. It's just not. It's like... He wrote a song. I had always heard it was about this girl killing herself. And if you listen to it, you can kind of see. Sure. She was an American girl. Yeah. And yeah. she could hear the cars roll by on old 441. And for yeah. one desperate moment, oh, God, it's so painful. Right? One could see. Um, I think it was Sammy Hagar that once said that his lyrics are, someone will correct me on this. I think, I'm guessing. I think it was Sammy Hagar who said you his lyrics. Correction. When he listens to a song and he thinks he knows what they're saying, and later learns that they're saying something else, he just takes what he thought they were saying and makes that his song. That's how he writes songs. Maybe 
Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think there's a U2 song where in it he said a few broken bones and some loose change, which I thought was like a great title for a book. That's not what he says. I later looked it up. Huh. And it was? In the God of Davida. You know what he's saying? In the Garden of Eden. Yeah, but that's where it became one and the same. Um. <laughs> now... <laughs> Now you know. Ronnie's just got a blank look on his face. Well, like, he's gonna, his, his blank look is not going anywhere soon. <laughs> because, because there's a couple other things. Like, we got into, like, we just happened to cover some stuff that wound up generating, like, a lot of clarifications. We had talked about the whole. All right. Yanni, explain, do this. Giannis, I want you to, I'm going to test your abilities. Explain corner hopping. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Uh, and then while doing it, I invite you to, to dis- describe it. Um, then go, go the, into the aerial space discussion. That's where I'm leading with yeah. this. Because we got into like a legality issue, which we can't start. No. We talked about two things in one. I'm, you're, still, you're not off the hook. You're still going to explain corner hopping. Yeah. We had a guy write in with a thing where he's saying, and this is something Yanni has done. You're standing on private land. You're standing on public land. And you're looking across an expanse of private land that you do not have permission on. And on the other side of that private land is more public land upon which stands one's target, mm-hmm. being deer or whatever. And you shoot, blouch, and your bullet flies over the dude's land that you don't have permission on. Is that legal? Yanni's actually done this. No, I was almost. Almost did it. I probably maybe have. I don't know. Um, no, I don't know. And uh, that led into a discussion of the problem with corner hopping. And Giannis will explain corner hopping. Yeah. But, on, one minute, too. We put the airspace question, like, can your bullet fly across land you don't have permission to be on? Can your bullet trespass? We put the airspace question to a game warden in Idaho and said he said in Idaho that would be legal. Hmm. But it prompted a lot of listener feedback. Now, Yanni will step in and explain corner hopping and how it relates to what we're talking about. Yeah, corner hopping is, is in a checkerboarded landscape of where you have different land management and owners. And the, the easiest way to look at that is Imagine a checkerboard, and all the black pieces are state or public or federal. All the red pe- red squares are private. So I'm tracking. At every four corners, you have two black and two red touch. Corner hopping would be that if you're on the public, the black, you would just step over and through the airspace and onto the other black, and you get onto another section. Mm-hmm. No Which big is deal. fine in the game of checkers. Yeah. <laughs> right. No one yells at you in checkers. <laughs> so, okay, go ahead. Um, but I think in most states, well, I don't know. We'll get into it here. I'm going to get into it because it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to resolve it today. I think it's going to be an ongoing thing. We're going to have to have some experts on to talk about it. There, but, is, no, there is no resolution. There is no resolution. And which, which we'll discuss in a minute. So, um, yeah, did I explain it well enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. So people are basically saying that, no, you can't corner hop because although you're not touching my land, you're going through the airspace above my land when you corner hop. Okay, Joel. Go ahead, Doug. Well, I was, it was an arbor, well, arborist know, question. Let me, let me, can I stop the arborist question? Of course. 
oh, I already know what it is because I think a dude brought it up. A dude that wrote in brought it up. The idea that a but tree hang, is... Yeah, but hang I'm tight sorry. on that because I want to check something. All right. Roof. <laughs> Did you follow that? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah, for sure. Great. Good job, Yannick. And, and, and I, and I could welcome. argue I could go from and he's red to red man. without infringing on any black space. It's white, isn't it? Uh, well, he oh, used black checkered. and red. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. On a checkerboard? Yeah. It's black and red. Oh, okay. Chess is normally black and white. All right. Yes. Theoretically, one could step from... Okay. Go ahead, Doug. A tree... So a tree is growing on your property line and the branches of, and it's on the neighbor's property, but those branches are hanging over your, onto your land or onto your, not your land, onto your space, into your, over your driveway, onto your house. Can you cut those branches off? Oh yeah. I used to be an arborist. Well, that's why I, I knew that. So that's why I was. I've been involved. I've been up in the tree as the neighbors argued about it. Many arborists has that yeah, story. I've, I've looked down at the tops of head, the tops of the heads of individuals engaged in such argument. With the chainsaw idling. and yeah. Oh, speaking of chainsaws idling, my, um, I told my kids the story of when your dad chopped himself open with a chainsaw why would you tell your kids that story i don't know why but you know what part they like a lot it's the part i like that you told me that that your old man um you know like drives himself to a bar he gets medevaced and later someone goes out to retrieve his stuff this is like an ad for the chainsaw yeah what kind of saw was it? It's a home light 450 yeah later <laughs> they go out to retrieve his dad's stuff out in the woods where he stuff. like fingers no, no, like no. That he just went out and there. saw. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and the saw is laying there out in the woods. Still, that's the part that they I love thought, that detail. But I thought you were, when you started to say that, I thought, wow, he's going to uh, teach them the lesson of. Of course, they're a little young for it, but of always have your vehicle pointing out because you never know when you're going to need to leave in a hurry. <laughs> you know, I can't remember how I got into it, and they don't have they don't drive yet. The oldest being seven. Yeah, but you know, with their bikes, they could start practicing. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, your scooter, leave it face now. No, you never know where you're going to have to leave it. At bedtime, Steve's checking everyone. Can, <laughs> did you back your bike in, or did you pull it? In? <laughs> All right, go downstairs. Um, yeah, they like the part that the saw was still out the woods running, and they bring it up all the time. Huh? Yeah. They, they like the story about a good saw. All right. <laughs> Joel Webster from TRCP. We're still on this corner crossing correction. It's not a correction. Clarification. He writes in to say, in regards to your discussion about corner crossing, it's a legal gray area. The state of Montana's access guide says it is not recommended. It doesn't say that it is illegal. He's never heard of anyone being cited by it, cited for it but they do not recommend it. I emailed some guys who work for the state government of Wyoming. And he goes on to say it is not there 100% definitive either. And there's no specific statute on the book. However, the attorney general in the, the state's attorney general in 2004 reviewed it and said, you might not be able to do it is as close as they've come. So some legislators, because, because he's saying that you, the, the, the corner lines are infinitely thin and there's no way to cross without entering private airspace. 
Some legislators have attempted to introduce bills directly authorizing corner crossing, or others have introduced legislation to specifically prohibit it. Neither gets much traction with lawmakers. County attorneys rarely, if ever, try to prosecute for corner crossing unless it's adding to a list of additional offenses to use as a settlement chip. He can't, this guy can't, and this guy's an attorney, he can't remember the last time he saw someone actually convicted of corner crossing. That said, it's widely understood as impermissible in Wyoming. Um, he not, goes, not permissible. Not permissible. And the check, he goes on to say how the checkerboard areas have a lot to do with how the railroads were structured and funded. And he says that the inability to jump corners prohibits access to literally hundreds of thousands of acres of public land. So there's that. Another guy. Ron Bame question. I mean, I, I'm, this happens to bird hunters constantly. Oh, of I mean, I mean, you, I mean, it doesn't even happen to mountains too much, but no, I mean, we, we've been doing it forever. Corner crossing. Yeah. Because you, you guys get, corner hop? Sure. What states have you corner hopped in? South Dakota, North Dakota all the time. But is yeah. that private land to private land? Yeah. It's private so that, land to private land, but I don't see the yeah, difference. Well, what's, oh, you mean corner hopping over another dude's private? Right. Yeah. Right. That you don't have permission on? Don't have permission. Well, how do you know your boots are the right spot? We just do it. Well, mathematically, you, you're, you're going to be stepping on somebody's land, right? Right. And if, unless, and if you know, unless if there happens to be a corner post there and you got a good, you got a GPS, you could do it. Right. But yeah, you got to go saying, up and over. You know, when we, when the farmer gives us like, yeah, hunt that 80 and then the next one over is mine too. And you can tell they're butted only on the corners. They're made by the same fence. You, you know, yeah, they're butted on the corners and we, we don't even go on the corner. We go to the nearest post where it's safe. And so we're just. But our intention isn't to hunt on that person's land. Our intention is to get to that next piece of property. Okay. I put it to a guy in Idaho, fish and game officer in Idaho. Um, Idaho Code 36-1603, known as recreational trespass. The key words are no person shall enter the property of another. And then there's criminal trespass. And he says that would ultimately, if one were to do this, like you've done it, and, a, and the guy that owns the land would get pissed, mm-hmm. um, he says it's probably, if this were to happen in Idaho, it's probably going to come down to the members of a jury. And they haven't had to, they haven't had to, no one's been, got it that far where it was interpreted. So I say it's legal. And he says until... It's challenged in the case, you know, it goes to court. Sure. It's uncharted territory. Wow, I'm surprised to hear all this because, like, the way you're told, you know, it and it's spelled out, you, everybody thinks that you cannot do it. Not recommended. But yeah. it's not, it well, sounds like it needs Dave, to be pushed a little bit. I think that in, in Wyoming, I think he's saying that I can see. So, so we had another, one of our camera guys heard us talking about this and he wrote in too. And he got into this thing where, like, okay, how, how much air do you own above your property? And he said in 1946, the Supreme Court acknowledged that the air above your property um, extends at least up to 83 feet because the Air Force was flying planes buzzing low over a guy's place and scared a bunch of his chickens to death, and he won a lawsuit for them infringing on his thing. Rick thinks it's more likely to be that you own about 500 feet. 
the Supreme Court hasn't explicitly accepted that as the upper limit of property ownership, but it's a useful guideline in trespass cases. Which your damn bullet isn't that high. Your bullet's five five foot off the ground or yeah, six feet down. Well, if you're leaning over, if you're leaning over the fence, can you use that person <laughs> the post? Can you use that person's fence post for a rifle rest? Yeah. So the military was found to be violating a guy's property rights by buzzing aircraft over it. So the fact that you can buzz a bullet over it, um, in this case though, you need to be limiting someone's ability to enjoy their property. And I could see that someone would say. Bullets flying around on my property limits my ability to enjoy it. And the fact that they <laughs> killed his chickens or whatever, too. You know, it's a loss of property, so. But see, I could tie that into another scattergun thing. You're allowed to hunt the ditches here in South Dakota. Okay. Because I'm tying this into South Dakota. No, why, it's great because we're, we're in South Dakota. So it's legal to hunt the ditches in South Dakota, even if it's private property. Because the, because the, the, it's, it's a right-of-way. It's a right-of-way. They don't mind you shooting that close to the road? No. Isn't there a, yeah, there's rules about unimproved, unimproved roads. Yeah, unimproved, unimproved roads, not, not blacktop. Dirt road, road ditches. Yeah, your common road in South Dakota, you know, okay. gravel road. So that's totally legal. I guarantee it. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not doubting yeah. you. It just yeah. sounds. But now in North Dakota, it's the opposite. North Dakota, you cannot hunt the ditch unless you have permission of the landowner that abuts the ditch. Gotcha. But my point is. State to so, state difference. State to state difference. But my point is. So when we're ditch hunting pheasants, they come out and they fly. They don't usually fly right down the road. <clears throat> they fly out into private property, and we will shoot them. And you have to get permission to retrieve. In some states, you have to get permission to retrieve the pheasant. Let's just use pheasant for the analogy. You have to get permission to, or in some states, you gotta. You can't have your gun. Yeah, without firearm. Without firearm, you can walk in, and get get it without permission. But some places you have to have permission. But what I get in that is the propellant, the bullets, the BBs. They're damn sure going over to They're guys. They're damn sure. That's my point. Thank you. They're landing in his property, not even going over it. You are littering lead into his property. That makes That's me think whole- it's always legal because your shot is always landing. Exactly. This Unless reminds me of another question a guy just wrote in about, but I'm not going to get into that one right now. Right. Though it is interesting. But you're literally... It has you're, to do with squirrel hunting. You're putting lead into somebody. <laughs> uh, oh, we can't... Yeah, can't don't tease me like that. <laughs> but I want to ask Doug. I just want to know what, you, what you're, as a substantial landowner, what's your opinion on the corner hop? You don't... I know because I know your property lines that you don't have no, that corners. instance, but let's just say that you had locked up 40 acres of Wisconsin state land in the middle... But there was a corner to get in there. Seems fine to me. You know, I'd prefer that somebody came and asked, but, you know, hey, this is going to be all right. Yeah, well, but, everyone would prefer that everyone asked everybody everything. Right, but, uh, yeah, I don't think that's, you know, I mean, if it's state land, it's state land. You know, being the kind of guy I am, I'd probably put a little access corridor across my property to it. Nice little dove climbing fence. Just because you're that kind of guy. Because I'm that kind of guy. See, this issue starts... There's people going to write in and say, bullshit, I know, Doug (laughs) Duran. Well, this issue really starts to make its own gravy. Because here's this. A guy writes in from Alaska, and this this subject got him thinking. He writes in from Alaska, and he explains that he is moose hunting on the Kenai Peninsula. And he's on just like, let's just say like a general public land. And his back is to a state park. 
in this state park in a lot like most states you can't hunt state parks but but some states there are some state parks you can't hunt and this is a state park in alaska where you can hunt you cannot discharge a firearm on it it just is in the state park it's archery only same regs apply same bag limits and seasons apply just no firearm discharge so you can bow hunt it he's sitting on which is i don't know what it was let's say he's on state forest with his back to state park looking out this way to kill a moose on state forest with his rifle turns around biggest blackberry he's ever seen is 20 yards out of the state park he doesn't shoot because he's like you can't shoot a gun or you can't kill him in there with a gun he comes home and his old man is on his case because he's like you didn't you would not have discharged a firearm in the state park you would have discharged a firearm in a state forest. Yeah. The bear died in the state park from a firearm wound, a firearm wound, but you didn't discharge your gun there. You, you should have shot the bear. He says, I've never even bothered to call Alaska Fishing Game <laughs> because there's no way they'll give me a straight answer. Yeah. Well, so I call you? Alaska Fishing Game. And right away, I make the mistake of saying like, what I do for a living. And so then I had to deal with a public affairs person. And I get to explain it to them the thing, and they refuse answer that. they're like who and i'm like it's just a guy what year <laughs> where exactly but he didn't do it and i'm like he didn't do it he's just a guy and then i got frustrated and i grew frustrated and i'm like hey let's just say hypothetically we don't deal in hypothetical laws <laughs> oh, i'm like man. come on man that's how far I got with that. Well, oh, that's a bummer because they really sometimes try to pride themselves on having it spelled out in the regs so that you don't have hypotheticals. All black and white. Well, yeah. they said, you've got to tell me the year and the exact location. That's pretty black and white. You, but I mean, I just feel like it's po- it'd be possible, you know, sure, I could, I, yeah, I would have had to tell him the year and the exact location, which I didn't have from the guy. Right. I could have wrote the guy Should've back. Made he's probably, I'm sure he's listening right now. Yeah. He'd had to provide all that extra detail. But it just goes to show. But it, it, you might recall this sign that's on uh, my friend Ty, uh, on the land next to my friend Tyson's property. It says, "Do not shoot into these woods." Mm-hmm. And of course, we've now made a sign on the opposite side that says, "Do not shoot out of those woods." <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder about that too. You know, it's the same idea. It's a private land issue. Okay, one more of these <laughs> things. One more of these things we got to take care of. The whole thing we we're talking about with like, okay, a guy writes in and he says, I live in a state where you can't bait. No salt licks, no mineral licks, nothing. But ranchers put them out for cattle. So can I sit over that? I didn't put it there. Right? Lots of, it depends. It depends. So we, lots of people wrote in about this. Um, now, this guy points out an interesting thing that just happened in Alabama. In Alabama, formerly you could not hunt over bait. They clarified, loosened this law recently and changed it to say, the law, this is what the law says, there is a rebuttal assumption that any bait or feed located beyond 100 yards from the hunter and not within the line of sight of the hunter is not a lure. So he says now people have taken to putting a large hay bale 100 yards from their blind and putting bait beyond the large hay bale. Good God. Because it's, I'm 100 yards away from it. Can't see it. And it's out of my line of sight. 
and I'm a pretty good shot up to 150 <laughs> yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. And I know if the head's sticking out of that one end of the hay bale, and I can just see its tail, I know where those vitals are. Yeah. This guy had gripe. Okay. Hold that guy's gripe for a minute. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift. Especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, it's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere meaning you share videos photos from any device and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world there's no memory card required right now aura has a great deal for mother's day listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting auraframes.com to get 30 dollars off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame that's a-u-r-a frames.com use code meat eater at checkout to save terms and conditions apply Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day, and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated doesn't matter outdoor events turkey hunting playing sports beach days mountain adventures summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick it's clear why liquid iv is the number one powdered hydration brand in america tear pour live more One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. This show is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors big ones little ones when you keep these things bottled up it can start to affect you in a very negative way well therapy is a great space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down like figure it out that means figure it out with someone who's impartial who's able to sit down and hear what you have to say and think it through with you if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, there's no there's no such thing. It's like you're not so tough. You're not so tough that it doesn't do you some good to talk to somebody now and then about what's on your mind, okay? Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash meat eater today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash meat eater. This guy, that led to a conversation about if you're out hunting 
and you, um, if you're out hunting and you kill a deer, say, and you're in a, you're in a no baiting state, you're in a no bear baiting state, but you kill a deer and a bear starts eating the deer carcass, is that baiting? I said, no, this guy says, depends where you are. He was hunting and he's from British Columbia. They were out hunting moose in Northern BC. They had jet boated uh, 120 miles up a river to their moose camp. Their buddies had been in there a week before, and they had killed a moose across the river from camp. You could actually see the carcass and gut pile from the camp. These guys had a grizzly tag. This is before the recent uh, ban on grizz hunting in BC. And halfway through their hunt, a British Columbia game warden shows up in a helicopter to check them out. He's checking them out. They explain that they had a grizzly tag, and this gentleman informs them that it would be illegal for them to shoot a bear on that kill. And it would be regarded as baiting a bear since it was a hunter-killed carcass. If that moose had died of natural causes, it would not be baiting. That was the interpretation from the, the law or just these guys? Apparently, that's the interpretation of the law. A hunter-killed carcass is regarded as bait. A naturally killed carcass is not. All right, we put that to bed. Kind of. <laughs> Whoa. In Colorado, you're A-OK. Colorado, you can't bait bears, but you're A-OK if you, if you uh, kill a bear off your own gut pile. This guy, this is the last thing on this issue. This guy had real gripe with how we were saying ranchers use them, use the salt licks. He said he'd like to point out that um, you just, oftentimes these salts and minerals are distributed by ranchers in order to keep cattle away from vital riparian areas. To keep, and you brought this up. You'd put a salt lick out in order to um, congregate animals near fences. Does this all making sense, Doug? You run a couple cattle. Yeah, I run a few cattle. I, you put I, salt out for them? I put uh, white salt and trace mineral salt Do, out do for you them. like the salt? Uh, I have it close to the building, so uh, I don't really get too many deer right down to the buildings. But, yeah, no, of course deer like salt. But, uh, um, yeah, the purpose for doing it is, I mean, it's a health thing. They, one, they like salt, and then the trace minerals, it's... Well, you, do you place them strategically, or does it matter in your location? <clears throat> you're not dealing with vast acreages. You know, I put them close to a place that I can back the truck up to, so I don't have to carry it very far. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> They're heavy. Uh, All right. Does anybody here know Haywood Banks, the, the musician Haywood Banks? I don't. If you have young children, you should look up Haywood Banks. I don't have young children. Yeah, such hits as um, I'm Looking at the World Through Fly's Eyes, Dead Puppies Aren't Much Fun, which I think, you know what, I've been saying, I think maybe someone else saying Dead Puppies Aren't Much Fun. But I was going to bring that up because, Yanni, I, Ronnie, I want to talk about the, <laughs> the dogs. The dogs. The dogs. Which, that which, you lost. I've now two lost. Two prized Breeding age, uh, uh, dogs for my kennel, Brocco Italianos, yeah. Two of them in one felt swoop. In one fell swoop. One, is, it best to appro- is it best to get into this, into this tragedy? Is it best to approach it through the lens of monetary value or through the lens of emotional value? Both. Let's start with, what you want to start with? Uh, emotional. Really? Yeah. Okay. Emotional value. Lay it out for me, emotional value. Emotionally. And then we'll talk about the strange circumstances under which these yeah. dogs perished. So emotionally, your dogs become part of your family. You, it, just like kids, at some days, 
you like some of them better than others. Yeah. But you love them all. So the loss of the dog is a loss, is a personal loss. So that's the emotional part of it. And the traumatic part of it then is the way in which they die. There's different, mm. like an example, I gave a German short hair puppy to Rusty, how many years ago? Roof. 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 How many years ago? 20? <laughs> how long have you guys been friends? <laughs> We're still old. Since, since about 1964. So. <laughs> so, but, so, late 90s. Late 90s. You that gave, dog, hold, on, hold on, back up. You gave him a what? I gave him a short hair puppy, German short hair puppy. What well, one he couldn't sell because it had a. But you weren't a breeder then. <laughs> Not a breeder. You're a recreational breeder. Recreational breeder. A litter. And and uh, his dog died at age six. What kind of dog was it? Short, short hair. He brought it up to my place. Dead. So, no, blind. And we went to the vet. And even though I hadn't, I mean, I saw the dog once a year. I had to go to the vet with him, and we put the dog down, and that was an emotional. So the emotional part of it. Six years old. Yeah. 42 in dog years. Yeah, right in the prime. Oh, that, that strikes That strikes. <laughs> yeah, Close how, to home. That hits home. <laughs> how old are you, Steve? <laughs> that hits home. I don't like that one bit. So that, that is sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I was crying for that dog even. So the emotional loss. You is, cried for that dog. Yeah. Tears yeah. rolling down your cheeks. My vet tech, she's seen me in there a few times, and when I – Went in there, and I was saying goodbye to her. It were, they were just rolling down my face, and she looked. And she'd never seen me cry before bringing dogs in, dead or alive. Roof, um, answer this as though Ronnie's not in the room. <laughs> was uh, was it a good bird dog? Um, it didn't get enough formal training early on, but she was. She had a will of unbelievable, but she was not a real graceful uh, hunter. Yeah. So it was like a smart kid that never got to go to school. Yeah, big go. Yeah. Like me. Yeah, like Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So, okay. So there, a six-year-old dog yeah. goes blind so, and dies. I'm just trying to tell you, that's yeah. the emotional part. The, what was your other The financial part of it. Yeah, because these are high-test dogs. Yeah, and nowadays, when, when you go to Pheasant Fest and walk the floor, which you haven't been today, haven't been down the when, you, when you're down there, yeah. you're going to see a bunch of dog breeds there now. I would venture to say they're all within a few hundred dollars of what my dogs cost nowadays. But thing was, 10 years ago, my dogs cost twice as much as them. So it's definitely... Because of rarity. The rarity. Because there's not many there's just, It's just like a rare coin. You, know? yeah. you can't get much for a nickel when they made 50 million nickels in your coin collection. Yeah. But now, people are, the dogs have come up to a different price level. So it's... Just dogs in general? Dogs, uh, dogs in general. Diani, did you look into that long hair I sh- told you, that German long hair? I went to, I looked into it. We went looked and in. looked at. You looked at. Yeah. Yeah. Bird okay. dogs in general are more expensive now. Like, than in, ever before. And way beyond like rates of inflation. Yes. What well, do you attribute that to? Uh, emo- people's emotions and what they want. Just like we're able to buy bigger houses than we used to be able to. We're able to buy more truck with a longer payment. I think we just... McMansion-ish kind of yeah. mentality. Well, there's some exposure, better exposure nowadays, though, right? We didn't know anything about hunting dogs when we were hunting back in Illinois. No, and you're right. And people put way more weight on health testing, so people are investing more into their breeding stock than they used to. So, like, the, so the ceiling, the ceiling has gone up. The, the, but you can still go out and get all kinds of free dogs at the pound, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to interview a guy who only hunts 
with dogs he rescues from a pound. Bird, bird dogs, beagles. Dude, that word drives me crazy. I, I know. When, I know. Were, when you were a kid, you went down and to the pound and got a dog. Now you go down to the pound and rescue like the dog. He was, like he was in the, like like he was in the middle on, like he was in the middle of a lake and you had to give him a life preserver. Yeah, like it's like mouth to mouth resuscitation. Certain, or something. I don't know why. It's like such an old manny thing. But there's certain words that You're come out. You're getting to be an old manny. Yeah, well, like, hey, like you used to go over to your buddy's house. Now you have a play date. It's like, <laughs> I don't know why it bugs me. And it used to be the like, oh, you know, you know, Stevie got a new or Bobby got a new dog. Where'd he get it? He, I don't know. They went down to the pound and got a dog. It's like, oh, I rescued this dog. It's like you come in and they got a pistol to the dog's head. <laughs> and you tackle the guy. threw yourself in front of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, res- yeah, rescue dog. I need a decision oh now, right now. You taking the dog or not? Otherwise, the trap door is released and the noose comes tight. Now, a, a rescue would be a bunch of dogs that were going to be put down, and you break in the night before. And you, <laughs> yeah, you take yeah them. I'd be like, no, that's, that's a, a, that's a no joke. I I rescued this son of a bitch dog. He was <laughs> he was right outside the gas chamber. They were backing up the gurneys out there. <laughs> Yeah, the crematorium fired up. <laughs> but what's sad is I just used that word rescue, and I never used to use that word rescue. Because it's just like I use playdate now. I just gave oh. in, and I was, now I'm like, oh, so the, you know, Rosemary is having a playdate. It's machine just, learning. Oh, yeah, man. All right. So, anyways, the the ceiling at like like the, th- the 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 limit that people are comfortable paying for a dog you have seen go up oh, during yeah. your time as a Wait, dog yeah. trainer, dog breeder. to even to even a breed that maybe have. Uh, let's say a particular breed that I judge that I see a lot of German short hairs. You could find one in almost every town in the United States over X amount of population, a breeder, a breeder, even those dogs that you can find without traveling to Europe or all the way across the country. Those dog, those people have raised the bar in their breeding, their health testing, their selection of who they're going to breed. And they're like, my dogs are worth that too. And, once you can't find a $500 short hair, you're going to pay $1,500 for a short hair. So that's what a run-of-the-mill, decent, pedigreed short hair goes for. I would say 1500 a good one, yeah. So you started the years ago, we've talked about this before, yeah. you started to traffic in uh, Italian Broncos. <laughs> yeah. Bracco Italianos. Bracco, yeah. And uh, you breed them. Yeah. And the bitch will put off up to usually 10 to 12 puppies. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. And then you sell these puppies. Yes. And you usually sell them before they're born. Or is that not true? About half are pre-sold. Like people pay a deposit on them. Well, yeah, they either pay a deposit or I keep an email from them. But they're almost always sold before the time they're 10 weeks. I'm certain it was not Haywood Banks who sung Dead Puppies on Much Fun. The more I think about it. Now I'm going to have to look look that up. No, I got it for you right here. I didn't get too deep into it, but there's looks like there's there's like a band called Dr. Demento that sang it. But then also Ogden Edsel. Yeah, I don't know what those guys. It's a good song. Um, so people write in and say, I want one, but you never know how many you're going to have anyways, right? Right. So, so that's why you can't close the deal. Yeah, you can't. You just got to wait. And how many, uh, in, a do- in a dog that you've owned, how many puppies have you been able to sell off a single dog? Uh, probably, I'm gonna, if I be accurate, I'm going to say 38 or 40. Out of one female. So one female can kick out $50,000 worth of puppies. Yes. Yes. I'm just getting to the monetary value. Right, right, right. And, and actually a little more than that, because if you take the number 40, 40 puppies, times 2,000, that's 80,000. Oh, so they're more valuable. 
I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you can get two because of those dogs. A fella could get two thousand dollars for a Bracco Italiano. Hey, yeah. sorry. So then yeah. we don't have to deal yeah. with a correction later. The <laughs> band name. I've left it open enough where there's no room for connection. The band name is Ogden Edsel. Bill Frenzer was a part of the band. Doctor Demento was a show that yeah. was played on often. There's also Keith Johnson and Bill Carey were in the band. Ogden Edsel. Thanks, Yanni. You're welcome. Um. Yeah, it goes, dead puppies aren't much fun. <laughs> um, and that's true. Your kids are going to sing that. Someday. That is true. So, okay, so that's the monetary. Because it was like, so now tell the story what happened. Well, I, was, I just wanted to establish the right. emotional and financial. Right, and it was. You, you cannot help but think that, like, oh, my God, I would have bred that dog two more times. And if anybody's, you'll hear breeders say this, and you, they can all send me the hate mail. You shouldn't be breeding for money. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be breeding to lose money. You know, what I mean, gotcha. yeah. you know, why would you set yourself up unless you're like, as you call, pro bono lawyer? I'm not a pro bono breeder. Yeah, you know? and the dog, like, it's not that the dog's particularly that that it's not a like a, a foregone conclusion that that type of dog is any better at hunting than any other type of dog Absolutely not. there's like there's a certain amount of aesthetics and it's it's a look and it's a demeanor that they happen to have gotcha but i could find you that demeanor in almost every other breed gotcha just have to find the right breeder. so you kind of fall in love with sort of like just like the groove of the dog yeah exactly it's Do not you guys use that term no <laughs> just the general vibe the groove of the dog the general vibe of the dog how it kind of mm-hmm. just relates to people and mm-hmm. Yeah, well, from the that. couch to the field, right? It's a <laughs> it's dog like field to table, <laughs> couch to field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tie mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so you fell in love with this kind of dog, right? Right. And I, I've lost a lot of dogs over the years, you know. And back when I was in my thirties and forties, I don't know. I don't remember really crying over it. You know, it's as I got older and become a father and going to be a grandfather soon. I'm turning into a big blubbering baby when it comes to you're, you're, losing. Be, dog. Yeah, you become in tune. To the I cycles don't put of them up and on Facebook when they die or anything. That's my. You know, I, a lot of people do that. Yet. No, never. Because <laughs> you mean you don't want to like solicit. I, I don't want you don't want to solicit no. people find empathy. out later. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But anyway, talking about what happened to the dog. So I went down. Yeah, who to, were the two? Who were the two? It dogs? was Oscar and Katie. And tell what their background was. Uh, Oscar was a two-year-old male who won, uh, was just starting to get his wings in the field as far as being a good bird dog. Okay. And he had also, his confirmation, his build, his, his whole body was like, let's say like a bodybuilding. Like if you had a bodybuilding contest, a confirmation contest is a, a bodybuilding contest for what dogs. The judge walks up and says, nice muscles, nice back legs, nice straight. He's not bow-legged like me. You know, the dog gates across to... So, like, a pug isn't going to do well on this. Against other pugs. <laughs> but not against, not against the... Not against the thr- so, he had, on top of, in his case, being a male, he had a monetary value down the future of people would want to breed to him because you don't want to lose the breed and body type. He had a classic... Gotcha. If, He's going to throw a dog that looks like a Bracco Italiano. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Question. Yeah. yeah. So... Is his value similar to that of the of the female because of his? his no, I mean in terms of the number of no, because I probably could never get forty breedings out of him. Why not? I mean, because you don't Just want logistically. to logistically, logistically, and you don't want in a small breed. You don't want 
the sire to be the same in 15 different states because now you're losing out on breeding ability. Then you're breeding, you're breeding daughters to fathers. And okay. so, so can I ask you one other thing? So is that then why you were saying, I mean, if I did the math, they're having eight to ten, so you're really only breeding that female four times. Four times. Three, three to four times, depending on But she's on the, living to be 14 or 15. 13, 14, yeah. So you so, stop out of sympathy to the dog. You stop out of, like, mostly by the time they're eight, most people will never breed a dog over Because it's too hard on them. It's too hard. Just like a woman. I de- you know, you're going to get higher incidence of Down syndrome in a mother over 40 yeah. than you will a woman in her 20s. Same thing with puppies. Artie's last litter, we thought we were going to lose three, and we had to do a cesarean. She couldn't deliver the last gotcha. three. And how old so, was that dog? She was seven and a half when she had the litter. Uh, do they do AI on dogs, or do, the, do you ship oh, the dog over You want there? me to tell that story? Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one, this one might take a minute. First time a lady wanted to breed to another dog I had, which was Oscar's relation. So okay. like a client. A lady in California. Okay. Saw my dog, saw pictures of it, and then looked at the pet. She says, I got to breed to your dog. I want your dog's lines and my female's loins. And that's how. And she goes, have you ever been to a, a reproduction clinic? I'm like, no. And so she's Googling all this. I'm at work in Virginia in the Valley. And she writes me back. She goes, there's a clinic two hours away from you. Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. I need you to be there Tuesday for a collection because she's monitoring the progesterone uh, numbers on her female so she knows that first overnight frozen or chilled semen has got to leave on tuesday so when the female is going to be ripe she'll be ripe and she'll be ripe for so many days and we'll have to do this a couple times okay so you cover a span anyway so i have never doug you might be able to speak to this i didn't know how they collect no strange do a little ai (laughs) okay that's for sure i did not know how they extract the semen out of an animal Never seen it done. Never asked. And you're picturing a needle, a, a needle or some kind of a catheter, like you know, running yep. up the sure. the sheath. And well, why not have a little fun? <laughs> so that's what Ronnie commenced to do. <laughs> so, and you know me, I'm not short on flirtation or anything else, right? And I'm not a quiet guy. I walk in with my dog. She says, "Follow me." This very tall, good-looking brunette. Um, vet with a Russian accent, which okay. I happen to really love a Russian accent. Okay. She says, come with me. Come with me here. Come, no, you, no, you, I, I hand her the dog. She says, no, no, you come with. They're better with you with. This better, is a Russian accent. But, yeah, that's the best yeah. I can do for a female <laughs> Russian accent. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, that's the worst yeah. Russian yeah. accent well, I've ever Maybe heard. if he said Soviet block, it'd give us a little more, <laughs> give us a little more wiggle room. <laughs> He's like, you know one of them accents, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like but, Colonel Clink, uh, <laughs> like yeah. Werner Kempler and Hogan's Heroes. That's what I'm trying to Eastern get. Well, that Europe. was a German. Uh, yeah, well, Eastern Bloc. Were, you know, uh, so, <laughs> so, all those areas that got wrapped up in World War II somehow. <laughs> Smart I, kid who didn't get to go to school. <laughs> right here. Or, a, or acting school. So she comes and comes and come, 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 come. And, and honest to God, she was, on, on a scale of 10, she was an easy eight, beautiful woman. Okay. About 40 years old. Okay. And she has me, she goes, you hold the dog's collar. So I'm standing to the side of the dog. And she calls for the vet tech to come in with, this happened to be a golden retriever that was in heat. So they back the golden retriever in, tail, you know, butt to nose. 
And of course, the male's like, whoa, you know, he starts sniffing, his tail starts wagging, and he starts getting a little excited, which all male dogs will do. And, and she proceeds to straddle over my dog. And she's stroking his back, going, that's a good boy. Oh, that's a good boy. <laughs> and actually proceeds down. to give him a reach around. <laughs> like a wrestling I mean, move. Yeah. Under, <laughs> under his groin, and for the life of me, I didn't really believe what she was doing. She was getting him. Erect, exciting him. Ex- exciting him. And then she reaches over Fluffing. for this baggie, this long triangular bag about 18 inches long. Okay. And she puts that in her other hand. And now she's doing, she's, she's milking she's, the dog. She's milking the dog. And she's so, milking the pooch. But her talking, she goes, that's a good boy. Good <laughs> yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. Good boy. Good boy. I'm tracking. I am standing. I am standing. And you, on found, a, this, you found this to be. No, I lost slightly, all, You found it to be slightly erotic. No. no, no, no. I, it was only when she introduced herself that I get a little like, oh, she's cute. Okay. All right. So you walk in and initially. I you're think like, I'm going to hand a dog. Initially, like, I'm, you know, I'm a married man, but I can acknowledge that. that beautiful um, woman. Yeah. 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 You know, smart, beautiful woman. The rest um, of it's just. I, I'm aware of this, yeah. and you're saying that that didn't that that those feelings didn't escalate with the milking. No, no, they didn't escalate. They killed I, it for you. They, they killed it because I, I'm glad to hear this. I could not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've always. Yanni, were you getting a little excited during that <laughs> during that telling? Well, Roof made me tell the story last night again in the motel room. I don't understand that at all. Right before you went to bed? Right. Or what? <laughs> did, did you say anything like, um, I wow, uh, I, I how, you know, how do you feel about that process? I, tongue-tied, totally yeah, would have been. tongue-tied. I'd love to have a camera on you during that I, process. I was like, I mean, I wanted to be like the smart aleck, like a, a comedian and go like, next, you know. But <laughs> That's called harass- That's called sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean... I couldn't even think of the funny things I wanted to think about. It, I was totally embarrassed. It'd be like, it'd be like walking in on uh, Sue giving the kids a sex talk when they were yeah. going. I'd be like, oh, this isn't comfortable. Yeah. I was totally uncomfortable. You were uncomfortable and, watching yeah, your dog. Yeah. So that was your answer to AI. Yes, I'm familiar with AI. And Doug, do you do that to a cow? We, Not you personally. But the AI part hasn't happened yet. The AI oh. part, just oh. so folks know. We're right, right. Artificial insemination. This is the collection process. Yeah, they then mail it off, and then she takes a turkey baster. Or a, a, a contraption. Several, looks several like ways, yeah. yeah. And you put it in the dog and breed the dog. Yeah. I'm surprised that it has to be so fresh, because with cattle, you know, frozen semen, they freeze semen. You can use a bull that's been dead for years. Well, we do. I've, I've actually... I, I had him collected, dropped him off at a collection because he was such a good dog, good example of the breed. In, up in Cincinnati, or uh, Columbus, Yeah, uh, he's still frozen in some straws to this day. But, the, but the I didn't have she's anything in a hurry. To, she's in a hurry because she's got timing. her dog coming yeah, in. Right, heat. and with dogs, I, see, cause I don't, because it's, we're looking for multiple puppies. I, what do you get, two calves or one only? With, Usually one, sometimes two. So... With dogs, the more counts per million of live protozoa, spermazoida, whatever the word is. Um, so you want it, frozen will work, and you'll usually get a smaller litter, typically. Doesn't, is that it's, right? It's not a rule, but typically. And so fresh You're chilled. You're sure of this? Yeah. Fresh chilled is the next best thing to... Homemade. Homemade, yeah. Homegrown, yeah. Um, yeah. No. Did, how much did you get for that when you did that? 
Standard is the price of a puppy. At that point, it was $2,500. Really? Yeah. And, and then the dog starts like going to the vet, too. <laughs> I mean, literally. Listen, you bring him into a... Believe, just check this, out about, check this out about Ronnie's dogs. The other day, I, was, I called Ronnie on the phone. We're talking on the phone. And the dogs are going ape shit. His dogs barking and squealing. His dogs have figured out that when he's on the phone, like he'll be on the phone and they'll make noise. And he'll be like, ah, and let them all out because they're making noise. Now, when he gets on the phone, they just make noise. They just make noise because so they know out. that he'll boot them out right. for making noise when he's on the phone. If I could be on my computer forever, listen to YouTube or whatever, they don't say nothing. They lay there. The minute I'm on that phone, they're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a biscuit or a bone or I get to go out. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm interested about the golden retriever and the collection uh, facility. Well, no, because obviously they must they do they just have a rotating stock of females that yes they a, a good vet clinic that is specialized in um, artificial AI or even people actually bring their two dogs to a vet to let them do it because they're afraid of the process. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they uh, they are. Uh, but so those clinics are so big that there's almost always a dog coming in for a progesterone test. And on, uh, one, on one occasion, I had cotton balls at a place. They did not have a bitch in heat. They call her teaser bitch. There was no teaser bitch. So huh. they had cotton balls that they continually dab on the female's uh, back end, and then they keep them in a jar. Oh. and It's like using dough and rut. Dough and rut yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, is and, bitch still like is bitch still widely acceptable oh, in the yeah. dog world? Yeah, like if I were to walk up to which I did yesterday, I would say that's a nice looking bitch. And is that you, right? You definitely use the word bitch. Yeah, you don't say dog. You say bitch or that's look good looking guy. And anyone? I don't know anybody would skip on saying that. Imagine that there was a and the nun. males called the sire. Is sire, that? you can call them the boy, the guy. Imagine there was a nun, yeah. a nun dog breeder. Uh, oh, a nun, like a, a like Catholic a Catholic nun dog breeder. Would she say, "My bitch"? I, I'm gonna. D- did you go to any Catholic school? I, I got an aunt that's a Catholic nun. Okay. She a dog breeder? Do you think she would have said? Do <laughs> you think she has time for a call? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you she, have an aunt who's a nun. Yeah, couple uncles that were priests. Aunt that's a nun. Would she use bitch or a synonym? Uh, synonym. Uh huh. So it's not totally. So, anyways, yeah. I want. I want to go back Oscar. to the. Oh, go, go to ahead. The, to the backup plan when you don't have a dog in heat mm-hmm. with those cotton balls, you, there might be a whole opportunity for a line of Britney magazines or something for them dogs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to point that out because guys I've talked to, yeah, guys I've talked to who have to go in and do uh, scratch and sniff. Guys I've talked to who have to go in and do a sample. Hopefully they're not bringing in a Labrador. <laughs> no, they're not. But they, you go, you, they go into a room with magazines. Then you got to. Then you come out and you're like out back out in the clinic. And I've had a number of friends say it's just always so awkward because like everyone that works there knows knows you've been like in there thumbing through some magazine, right? right. Like with just a with door. one hand. Yeah, it's like you got to come out and be like, eh. <laughs> you know, well, I got sad. what you need right here. But well, well, I had to do that after getting a vasectomy. I had to bring in a number of samples. But at least you go back home. Then you come. Right. Yeah, you, you come back in when you come back in you can sort of have the aura about you as though you had assistance with this collecting right yeah <laughs> yeah no one knows how you worked it up right so you can kind of like maintain like some self-composure and be like oh yeah buddy but don't you worry about how i worked up these samples Steve, i gotta digress to back to doug because i want to know how they do it with, i want to know how they do it with a a, a bull 
Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's, how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better. Because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Deck is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Do they, they collect they, massage? I've seen, I, I've, I, we never had bulls that we collected from. When we had dairy cattle, we had a Holstein bull for a while. Okay. And then and he just did it on his own. Right. And his but they father do, ended up being deadly. Bull so is a big thing, right? They're, it's well, collected. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how do they do it? I've only been to a facility once, and that was when I was in high school. And which is the wrong place to take a bunch of high school boys, but uh, 
<laughs> so they actually had steers that they did the same thing with the they were rubbing yeah uh, they're in heat yeah rubbing what they were, well they were rubbing estrogen or uh, from a, a cow that's in heat on because i turn arouse them to arouse them and and then they're the well you the, said steer you meant bull no, the steer. They don't use a cow, so they rub the stuff on the back of a steer. <laughs> oh, they make a oh, wow. oh, really? <laughs> oh, come on. That's what they do to that poor thing? Well, and they I don't, take know, a I don't steer. know why they didn't want a cow. Be, I, maybe because then they don't have to have cows around to milk. And, so and they would not. take a steer and rub the smell of a ripe cow. Yeah. And then it's a collection thing like that, except and for they're not. smell it and be like, man, I'm seeing one thing and smelling another. That's right. You, but they, always, a, they must not I be that know, if hard they're to fool. From the back end, yeah, right. I mean, because remember the story we heard when we were in Wyoming trapping beavers. No, about how that dude, how the neighbor had lost a bunch of um, steers because they had like it was like an overdose or too much of that uh, implant drug that they had given it, and a bunch of those steers were getting yep. like way too much testosterone, and for the steers that were getting that first. The steers that weren't as like getting the testosterone, the, the the testosterone jacked up ones were chasing all the other ones around and basically killing killing them, riding them so much that they were killing these steers that, that, that. that hadn't gotten an, oh, the wow. equal amount of drugs. Wow. Like wrestlers, like just dry humping them to yeah. death. Yeah, like wrestlers. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah. I got I, some friends that are wrestlers, and man, they still like to wrestle. Yeah. Wrestlers like to wrestle. So <laughs> I didn't wrestle in high school. I'm ready to move on to something yeah. else. If, okay. Like, I, I wish no. we had more time to talk about <laughs> I, I want to throw in one thing real quick. And you, Ronnie, don't even don't even discuss it. I'm gonna tell us thing about to, to date this will help date Ronnie. When Ronnie was a kid. <laughs> I know where this is going. When Ronnie was a kid in Chicago public schools. When you took swim class, <laughs> all the boys would have to strip down and swim naked at school. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So he never Oscar. told you the coach also did, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Oscar. We thought that was odd. <laughs> yes. Um, Oscar and Katie. Okay. Oscar and Katie. So there you are. So Oscar is an up and coming stud. And, and free, Katie is a tested one-time one bred female. One, so one had, litter of pups. Yeah, had a litter of eight pups, so she had a good-sized litter. And so two dogs whose future is ahead of them. Future's ahead of them, financial future, emotional future, everything. Yeah, honey, Everything's looking good. Everything's looking like and roses. And there you are, you're driving to? Uh, I was in Indiana in a state park. The state park was not open, per se, for vehicle traffic. But this particular... Explain per se. Well, there was no guard. You didn't need a state park pass to get into it. Because it was off-season. It was off-season. I see. But this part of the state, for some reason, has an old hotel on the property, and they use it like a B&B. Hmm. So, okay. And it happens to be in a state park. But it's not all set up for summer activities. It's set up year-round for staying there. You know, People can walk the trails gotcha. and stuff. So there's really nobody there, basically. And it's gated or not gated? Just a front stone gate. Yeah, it's not gated. Okay. Anyway, I get there. I check in the motel. There's no dogs allowed to room. Oh, you're actually staying in the I'm place. Staying there. What state is this in again? Indiana. Okay. Indiana. And so I and get you're traveling. I'm gonna be work I'm gonna be working with dogs and doing some interviews uh five miles away the next two days. Okay. At a, a training clinic. And so there's nothing out in these woods. I check into the room. I already know the dogs aren't allowed in. And my dogs, you know the box they travel in. Big three dog yeah. three door box. Uh, 
I asked Leah, I said, where's the best spot for me to let my dogs air out, feed them and air out? Air out is their term for make. You know. No. Shit, take a crap. <laughs> well, you just made a symbol that I associate. <laughs> you you never heard this? Different. It's from the Goldbergs. She goes, did you make this morning? She asked the kids. Oh. Like, Mom. So if you're using two fingers, it's so Ronnie's making a cup. Ronnie's making a cup with one hand and taking two fingers and moving them in and out of the cup, right. which I interpreted to be we're back more related AI. to what we were talking about a minute ago. Yeah. But you're saying if it's two fingers, it becomes right. It was a way for number like, two. It was a way for like a mom to not ask you in public if do you have to go to the bathroom? Did you make? I would rather my mom. <laughs> I would rather my mom. Yes. Let's leave the Goldbergs hey, out. Kid. Yeah. I would rather rather than than someone going like that little boy's mom keeps making the universal <laughs> the universally accepted symbol for for something else. So, so air out. Air I out. like air out. Air out. We're, and she yeah. said, "Yeah, I would just take the trail right around the back of the building, go down to the reservoir, and let the dogs do whatever they do." So. I get there, a friend of mine joins me without dogs. I've got four dogs. You're just running them around. And Well, first I feed them. And yeah. so my older dog, he rides shotgun in the back seat. The other dogs each got their own compartment. Okay, so, back, back, I, I, mm-hmm. okay back us, I missed something. Yeah. You're traveling with four or two? Four dogs. I got four dogs that with you me. you own? That I own, yeah. Okay, because I want to keep, in this story, I st- there's a part I still don't understand. Is I want to know how the four dogs had very different outcomes yeah yeah so they're all together it was really easy to explain in hindsight in hindsight okay um so they all feed and they feed in their boxes or you know so they don't fight over food Mm -hmm. make sure they got a bowl of dog food in their in their box in their box and you make sure they finish eating put the food away my youngest dog that i still have miller he is that named after the beer yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I actually got the dog back from a lady who named it after the beer because she knew I drank Miller Lite. Hmm. But um, so I got this dog. He's at the point where he doesn't know his name. Like to call him off of something or if he starts running, I he would literally ignore me. His obedience training wasn't there. And that he's was too young or too, he's no good. No, too young, and he wasn't worked with when this person had the dog. And that was one of the reasons he was going as an example dog about training a dog with that age. With almost no obedience, you know, just little crazy dog. You were bringing him to show him as a bad example of a dog. Exactly, exactly. We do that in dog things. Okay. You, you want to show the good performance. You want to show the bad and the things in between, and then people can relate to it. Like, yeah, my dog. Oh, I my dog will stay that long. Yeah, I don't, no. No, that's great. So, yeah, rather than so, just showing him like the world's greatest dog. Then you learn nothing. Yeah. yeah. So then I had my senior dog Bravo, who knows all of his commands. So. Every time he was out, I just let him outside the truck, and I'd say, "Bravo, and he'd come back, Bravo." Miller wanted to run with the other two dogs, the three-year-olds, but I didn't want him to, so I kept him on a thirty-foot check cord wrapped around my waist. Okay, he could run around. I could drink a beer. I'm talking with my buddy Gary. We're having a good time. So four dogs, one four on a do- leash, one super obedient, yep. and two are up-and-comers who take off. Yep, and I can see them the entire time. Like they run down to the reservoir, they run back up a hill. They're not out chasing deer or anything. Uh, they're within 100 yards of me at all times. I could Because I can see them. There's no leaves on the trees. The topography was such that I'm looking down at the reservoir. There was an old abandoned camp building there that they used for storage. The, to my knowledge, the doors were all locked and everything. And, so, and I did see the dogs go down to the reservoir and get a drink. They came back wet, so I, I knew that's what they did. Okay. Um, so 
fast forward, get the dogs back, you give them each water again to help digest their food, their meal overnight, and you put them in their boxes. And so that was about 9, 10 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night, I closed the tailgate. Went to the parking area, sat and talked with Gary for a little bit. You could hear the dogs rustling around in their boxes. Um, so everything seemed normal, like every time I've ever had the dogs out. And at 6 or 5.30 in the morning, we got up, went to go air the dogs out, and I opened the tailgate, and I can hear Miller on the right scratching to get out. So you're immediately, you've, and you never go to your box like, oh boy, I hope it's, you know, it's alive. You, you, no more than you walk in this room and don't expect to see one good bed and towels. You know, it's that same assumption. Yeah. So he's scratching to get out because he's that little crazy guy that doesn't have any obedience. The other ones have been in boxes so long, they just wait. They don't scratch at the door. I they're, yeah, the, they're going to get out at the same time gonna, no matter what they do. They know the deal. <laughs> and I open the middle door and I see Katie, her head pressed up against the wall. And I immediately know she's dead. I mean, there's just really. I, I mean, you could just say your eye was half open, you know, or you know, you well, you know, like even when a, an animal dies, it never looks like it does when it's bedded. Yeah, when it, it just kind of smashed. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh my god! And I, I touched her, and she was already like rock hard with rigor mortis. And I'm like, oh shit! And I can hear him scratch, and I open the other door, and there's Oscar, same way. He's just curled up. Dead. Just dead, and I reached in, and and I mean, rigor. I don't know how long you guys talked about that. How long does rigor take? A couple hours, three, two, three hours to get really. Oh, to set up. To set up really hard. Yeah, I'd say. So when I told my vet all this, she said that they probably died somewhere around one or two in the morning. They would not be that rigor mortis would not be so hard that I could not bend their legs back out to. It would have been a futile attempt to see what happened to them, but they were that stiff, you mm-hmm. know. So then the the whole thing went to where I, where I had to bring them. I actually put bags of ice on one of them in case it got warm on the way home. And I was told to do that just because you know things, you know, like any animal, they get hot from dying, and you want to keep them. You want to keep. So them are cold. you initially getting? Are you initially like emotional or like kind of oh, like in shock? It, it took me an hour to even close the tailgate. Me and Gary sit there and cried and kept saying, "WTF, yeah, WTF, WTF, WTF." Thinking someone killed him. Thinking someone popped something into each one of their holes. You know, they could have reached in and gone through the sliding window. It just and then I kept thinking they suffocated. They suffocated. They can't suffocate. They sleep in these things all the time. Can't suffocate. Yeah, but they're not. They're like. They're full of holes and right, exactly. But okay. my my brains is they suffocate. Trying to figure it out. Trying yeah. to figure yeah, it out because nothing else makes the, sense. Yeah, their two sliding windows happen to be closed, and Miller's was slid open. So then I'm like, they suffocated. They suff-. anyway. So called my vet. They did a autopsy on one of them. There was no point to do both. They obviously yeah. got into something. And uh, and I gave you that text earlier. It's they found three chemical compounds that that. Uh, suggest exposure to alcohol whatever that alcohol would be wasn't miller light i know that for a fact because they drink that (laughs) you know when i drop a can they all lick it all up it was not antifreeze because it takes days for a dog to die from antifreeze they don't die like that so it was something that it got to their liver and they bled out internally and it's never been determined what that substance was i don't know if it's something that's naturally occurring fermented somebody left out a pail of 
something they cleaned from a campground. I, I just, I'll never know. And the vet, Did you look around where they had been? To No, I wish I would have. Because yeah. the whole thing was like, I had to get to this clinic, tell them what happened, tell them goodbye, I got to get back to Michigan. And I was so like out of, in shock, I just... Yeah. Never, never. Could, yeah. could the grounds been baiting for rodents or anything? Uh, oh, they, the state called me several times. The state biologist, state veterinarian, Michigan state veterinarians talked to them. I asked, if there's, a, there's a product people use for killing raccoons and possums that would kill a dog that fast. Very few, but those things are always almost identifiable in their stomach contents. So, yeah, we won't know. But word to everybody, you never know. <laughs> Don't let your kids play in junkyards. But you don't keep your feel, dogs close. Keep your dogs you don't feel that, like based on what you've seen dogs do, mm-hmm. you don't feel that they would drink um, bourbon. No, no. I've seen dogs around people drinking brown water. Never seen a dog lap it up, although I have had friends say, oh, yeah, my dog will lick my, my glass of bourbon with, you know. But not I, keel over dead from it. No, no, no. You, you'd, I would, you'd have to drink a lot, I would think. And the, the vet or the lab interpreted for you that this is an alcohol. And when you look it up, it's just everywhere. It's like yeah. the kind of alcohol that's found in everything. Yeah. Those three things that were identified in the liver biopsy or whatever it was, uh, and all it says is suggest exposure to alcohol. You know, there's isopropyl alcohol. There's Jack Daniels. There's antifreeze. Is an al- anything that doesn't freeze is an alcohol. So... Could it have been an old can of windshield wiper fluid? That's not true that anything that doesn't freeze is an alcohol. Well, okay, that's not accurate, is it? And alcohol freezes. At some temperature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about the other day. We used to have Boone's Farm. We'd take Boone's Farm (laughs) ice fishing, and the Boone's would freeze, except the syrup would rise up to the top. (laughs) The booze and the sugar would rise to the top, and then you could have like a... a, Slushy? Yeah, ice fishing slushy. So... So yeah, that's the that's that's how what happened. And you we, never went back to go look around. No, no, it's a, it was a six hour drive, and it was like I'm not going to change the outcome of the day. And you're not going to run your dogs there again. I'm not going to run my dogs there again. And if the, you know, in a conspiracy world, if the state was using some bait to take care of mice and squirrels, and I don't think they were going to leave it lay around because they already knew what happened. Yeah, they were that's a conspiracy that. part of me. You know, I don't sure. think my walk around would have produced anything. On the other hand. It could have produced an old cook pot that had acorns fermenting in it. I don't, you know, I don't know. Fruit. Yeah, turned into fruit, apples, a whole bushel of apples in a steel bucket. Who knows? It could have been something like that. But there wasn't anything like, and this is a common, uh, they said it was common in a whole bunch of different things, but not in particular in in some kind of bait or anything. It wasn't anything identifiable on the market. The huh. interesting part is that the two dogs that stayed close lived and the two dogs that ran around died. Yeah. Kind of creepy almost a little bit. Makes you want to makes you want to just well that, I think that's why you know it's like houndsmen they're kind of used to losing their dogs. Yeah. It's like that's you you buy into that. But your bird hunter and your pet owner, you don't buy into that. You barely buy into the fact that you're going to outlive your dog. People can't even right. handle that. A houndsman is like they might they might cry when the dog dies, but they go into it. Like, Just, you mean losing them to bears and pigs and lions? Cliffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's that's what happened. That's all we know on that. And it, do you insure your dogs? No, never have. Yeah, I'm sure that's something that's available. I probably uh-huh. could. Yeah. So how much of a setback was it? How much like like as a breeder? How much of a setback was it? 
Well, I need like hunting wise and breeding wise. Hunting wise, I I'd be a little low on dog power, and breeding wise, I had another female that was a year old last year, so she could have been the next one. Um, and she just died of kidney failure right before Christmas. So How old? A year and five months old, or something like that. Ten. Ten months. What? Ten. Ten dog years. Ten years old. Ten, ten years old. Yeah, yeah. True, true tragedy. So, oh, man. yeah. So God. I'm I'm set way back. I won't have a. Although I did drive all the way to Waycross, Georgia, to pick up a, a puppy that was seven months old. So you actually now have to go buy dogs. Yeah, they can't make them out of boys. <laughs> and Artie's too old to breed. She'd still be willing, but Dude, I wouldn't. So like dancing Duke Kennels is like out of business. It's 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 uh. It's just Duke I, Kennels. There ain't no dancing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Crying Duke Kennels. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah, dancing Duke, man. No oh. shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've kind of like known this, but I, I like to well, hear we the don't whole really to hear the whole thing. Yeah, we don't we don't get but, time to chit chat. But Ron, when we're out hunting, those dogs are hundreds of yards away from us at times, right? Yeah, whatever that. That's the one thing I would love to know. What that dog got into, I would love to be able to write something up and let the rest of the world know, like, boy, don't think you're safe even with this. Yeah, but what is the, like, it's one of those things, and you're the last guy in the world to um, submit to, like, irrational paranoia. Right. Am I saying that right? Paranoia? Yeah. Um, Because what's what's the, there's no lesson. Don't let your dogs run no. around 100 yards yeah. away from you. Right, right, Stuff right. happens. It's, no, the lesson. It, it's yeah. just like I asked Yanni last night about you guys and bears. Are you, that'd be like you guys never going into the woods again. So there's a lesson learned, but what's the lesson? You know, It's only a lesson on that property. It's not, I'm going to let my dogs go hunt yeah. and work. Well, when we're coming to when we're corner hopping, you know, you got you, you got you have a farmer that will have a rock pile on his corner because he's getting everything out of his field, old tractor, and you know who knows what you start coming across. Corner hopping can get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Have you have you lost a dog to a rattlesnake yet? No. In fact, I don't know anybody who has, but I know I've heard of people who have. Yeah, I guess it's got to hit them in the... They hit all the time. I guess it's got to hit them in the throat or mouth if it's yeah, going to kill them. It, it, I don't think it, in the sebaceous tissue or something, it, I don't think it does much to them. saw a porcupine attack one time when it went around these dogs. Well, the dog... Oh, well, that didn't that. kill it either, though. No, the dog attacked the porcupine. Yeah, man, it was gnarly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you put that picture in your book. Dude, it was amazing. Right. That dog had porcupine quills from its nostrils to its testicles. And, oh, and he just full, full wrap this thing, man. Wrapped around his mouth. Continue to hunt that. We'll, day. You know what? We'll put these no. pictures. We'll put the pictures of your dog up on the show note. The porcupine Zeno. dog on the show notes. Yeah, Zeno, Zeno and Hope, but Zeno, Zeno got the brunt of it. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I think I have, but we were out hunting one time in Pooter. I think it was. I can't remember if it was me or Poot, but one of us uh, filled a doe tag, and the deer had obviously run into had run over a porcupine. Really? Well, you know, that's the only way I can explain it because her whole underside was full of quills. Wow. So I, I, in my mind, she's hauling ass through the woods, trip, and there's a porcupine. He's like, bah, and puts his tail up. <laughs> really? Right? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, how else would she? She's not going to, like, fight it. She's not, no. She wasn't, like, attacking it. She wasn't going to lay on it. her nose, yeah. So, huh. that's strange. man, her, it was so infected. Just oh, it was just full green. of infections and pus and stuff up and down her belly. 
we were hunting sheep one time, uh, hunting doll sheep with my brother's old girlfriend. And it was like, I was kind of, I think he was walking point and she was right behind him. Or however, I can't remember how we were configured going up through these alders. And all of a sudden she comes rolling down the hill screaming bloody murder. And she had walked under a porcupine. And he had <laughs> smacked her right where her shoulder met her neck. Really? Yeah. Put maybe 13, I think it was 13 quills or something, right where her shoulder met her neck. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you said attack, when you said attack, I didn't, but you're right. They will use their tail in defense. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, what they don't do, yeah. which cartoons will lead you to believe, is that they can launch quills. <laughs> like an English army of arrows. Yeah, but it's like, it's smart. That kind of myth, it's like, I guess with kids and stuff, it's smart to allow them to believe that that's true. Not a bad thing. Because all stoves are hot. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that most people are never corrected about the porcupine. Well, no, I would tell them when they were 12 or so, I would say, you know, to be honest with you, that thing can't shoot its it's a, it's a rite of It's a rite of passage. You got to sit them down and say, hey, just so you know. Yeah. There's Birds no the Easter bunny, and, and that porcupine does not launch quills. Yeah. This means number two. This means number two. This means and porcupines cannot shoot quills. Hmm. Man, where do we go from there? It's depressing story. Oscar and the saga of Oscar. We're and Katie. still we're still waiting to we're still hoping to find out, but obviously we won't. Uh, maybe somebody else will hear this. And I'm surprised you're not more obsessed with like learning the truth. I don't know what else I can do. You know, I mean, I think the tissue samples are probably destroyed. I don't think they save them. You know, I mean, forensically, maybe some Einstein guy, would, maybe one of your listeners is a vet. We'll put here's the thing on the show notes. Any idea? We will put the. Similar. Yeah, because we, you know, we, I, we actually just got a really mean letter from a vet who um he's real mad he feels like um and then doug uh, he's real i think that a lot of people were like he's he works in the ag industry and he was real pissed about some stuff rogan was saying about big ag i don't have a problem with big ag nor have i ever said i had a problem with big ag whatsoever um but he feels that guys that like to hunt are somehow down on big ag like it's a, like a big egg guy apparently gets mad if people start extolling the virtues of other types of meat. Hmm. So he was mad about that. But that guy, he's a vet. So what you could do is on the show notes, we'll put up a picture of your dog with its mouth full of quills. quills. <laughs> yeah. We'll put up a picture of these dogs when they're happy in, yeah. in, in, in the old days. Yeah. yeah. We'll put up a picture of cute uh brocco italiano puppies okay and then we'll put up the toxicology report there you go and we will and, allow it, people or, to you know, interpret the results what, what i'm getting at it might come up we might not get any vet but no, a, we'll ve- vet. A, a very similar thing could have happened to joe blow in in yeah. colorado and they might have got to the bottom of it and that all might make more sense sure. see the other thing i forgot to say the the one thing that'll kill a dog like that is called blue algae and that occurs a lot I know blue elk. You know what that It'll is? It'll kill elk. It'll kill elk too. It'll, oh, yeah. So uh, if a dog drinks blue, you, you literally, if he drinks enough and gets blue algae, you don't have enough time to even get him to the vet. He's dead. Yeah, like when it, when it wipes out herds of animals, they'll all be laying around the water hole. Yeah, they're not even dispersed. They don't make it that far. Right. But that wouldn't come up as alcohol poisoning. 
Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. But the mystery thickens. <laughs> you ever have cows just die for no reason, Doug? Uh, boy, it's been long. I mean, why did that cow die? You know, a That's better no question. Reason. Like we found, uh, you know, we found a cow dead in the pasture one time. and You, you never know. like look into it. It's not worth the money to look into it. Yeah. I mean, you no, I haven't. And I haven't had one die for, you know, usually if they're looking bad, you get rid of them. I mean, you know, so it's not, I mean, you check them out and then decide, you know, what, what, what you're going to do with yeah. them. Do you ever cry when they die? I'm pretty kind to my animals, you know. So you cry when they die because you you don't cry when you're sending them off to slaughter. No, but I'm no, I don't cry when they die. But when I'm putting a uh, animal on the, I mean, it's it's something that happens as you get older, I guess. I put uh, even steers that I'm butchering on the trail. Like you develop a Reagan-esque tendency to to crying. Well, no, I'm not crying, but I'm I'm I have a different attitude about it. Uh, you, have I put them on the you have some empathy. Empathy, and I know what I'm. You know, I know what I'm doing. You know what's, I know what's happening. happening there. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean I don't. Like, like you know, you're on the the, the the doorstep of death yourself. But you don't come in the house, <laughs> <laughs> Doug. You, I, don't, I, I do don't, think I, about I, that. I, son, I, yeah. I honestly don't know what you guys. You guys are having like a weird conversation. I don't understand what you're saying right now. Oh. You're like, oh, you know, and nah, nah, nah. like, you know what? Well, I asked you a flat out question. If no, I don't see cry a, when the cattle die. Do you cry when you send them off to slaughter? I don't cry when I send them off to slaughter, but I am I have a different feeling about it than I did when I was younger. Okay. And explain that, that is, please, if you don't mind, explain what that feeling is. And what I what I was referring to was when Ron was saying that earlier, when he was in his twenties and thirties, he didn't have the same emotions about the, the dogs. And of course you get more attached to a dog than you do a, a cow or a steer or whatever. But I spend a lot of time with them, and it's part of why my animals are so calm and everything. And, and I mean, I put them on the trailer, and I, I thank them. I know where they're going, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, a, you know it's a somber thing for me. It's part of why I want them just to be cool and, you know, say, hey, thanks. But. Looking forward to that steak. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, thanks. You got <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, so... So, so I'll not talk about that. Okay, anymore. no, no, it's, I'm fine. I like, I'm like crying right so now. So the, the 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 thing about it is, you're saying that you have felt that you had that you were either you used to be more callous, or you're just more sort of emotional, emotionally aware of the cycles of life and death now. Yes. Because I'm nearer to death that, myself, that, as you said. That, that's what, that's what I, that's where I'm going with this. Is do you feel it's that you feel that you're like, you know, you recently lost your father. Yep. I think that um, one of the things that I've thought about and recently had a birthday, I recently had a birthday and, you know, I'm 59 years old and, you know, you have a lot more. I have Halfway lot, to 118. Yeah, well, I have a lot more. When I say, boy, 30 years ago when I was, you know, 29, well, 30 years from now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 89. Well, then I think about my mom, and she's still, you know, cruising along. But uh, does she cry when the cows go? My mom has no regard for cattle whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Really? So yeah. it won't get worse, apparently. But she doesn't. She's not involved with yeah. the farm. The farm's not her. Do you think you'll get to a point where you can't send cattle off to slaughter? Is it that fast, or is it just a really gradual thing that's happening to you? I can't imagine a time when cattle still wouldn't just be cattle to me i mean that doesn't mean you treat them badly or or anything like that i mean it's just a it's a process you know yeah. it's 
Would you send puppies off to slaughter? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> my father, my father tells a story that he like in the old days, he would no joke, he would be sent out to get rid of litters of kittens. Ooh. Done that. Yeah. Yeah. He did not like it. We but picked, he was made to do it. We picked up a, a kitten, my wife and daughter and I, we picked up a kitten from another farm. And we asked, the guy said, oh, yeah, come by and get a kitten. And I'm like, oh, man, because there was a cat at the farm that needed another, that needed a, you know, something. That my daughter and wife decided that, that, that the cat at the farm needed a playmate. So when I say kitten, I don't mean a little furry. I mean, you know, one that's a young cat. So we go up to this guy's place and, and uh, I thought, I'm just going to be able to say no <laughs> when I get there. But, oh, no, we're taking one of these cats with us, you know. So, well, we didn't bring anything along uh, to put it in. That was sort of my, you know, way out. And John goes, the, the farmer says, well, I got a gunny sack. Mm-hmm. So he grabs the cat. I grab the gunny sack. He drops the cat in. I close the top of it. And that cat came up and bit and We named the cat Biter later because it came up and bit me. <laughs> Bit me through the bag and held on. I had blood running down my arm, and I can only think that it would figure the next thing coming in there was a rock and it was going to get tossed yeah, off. He's like, I heard about this. I heard about this. Yeah. It's like cats oh, no. know about going. They say no, you're on the end of some dock. <laughs> that cat ended up being one of the coolest cats ever, though, and I'm not a cat guy at all. I grew so. up around uh, in dairy, you know, dairy production areas, and the dairy farmers would like to have cats because they would need to control mice and rats so they yep. wanted cats but then they were always in this sort of delicate balance where you needed like enough cats but then you get too many cats they would get i think that they i don't know what the term they would use the farmers would use is feline distemper yeah and that would like sleep through the cat population and wipe them all out so the farmers were often in a situation of trying to cull they would have cats and they're not spaying and neutering these things and it would get out to where there's a whole bunch, and they would want to cull the herd, cull the population of cats, and would, on occasion, um, have the Ranella boys come over. I uh, just they would on occasion <laughs> seek assistance, seek paid help in reducing the cats for fear of a cat of a disease outbreak, and it didn't occur to them. I don't know why. That uh, to spay and neuter, but I think there's just enough stray cats running it's, around. They just yeah. find their way. They find their way there. Farm cats, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a it's 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 a type of cat. I mean, actually, the cat yeah. that we have in the house is a farm cat. I think Mark Kenyon was saying, wasn't he? Mark Kenyon saying that all of a sudden he has he has thirteen cats living just, outside of his house. They just because he fed one or well, something. One showed up, and the next thing you know, that thing made love. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Now, I said, yeah. "No, he's just got cats everywhere." Yeah, not to not out of anything he did. So, Doug, you've just been saying. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, well, well, Steve, what about what about veal with the? Oh, I'm dead set against veal. We don't even have to have that conversation. Yeah. You're against veal. I am against veal. I ha- well, we had a neighbor who raised veal. I dealt with it. It's not a pretty sight. Yeah, and you got any concluding thoughts? <laughs> on veal <laughs> no just concluding thoughts in general yeah we might have to edit this out or, or maybe we'll keep it in but uh did you read the email that came in about us being wrong about bow hunting yeah but that guy's just overly sensitive yeah a bow hunter being overly sensitive 
I'm shocked. Oh, it, like, you didn't even want to talk about it. No, it's it doesn't like, even warrant. It's like, I just think that, like, yeah, well, we can talk about it when we're done. Cause we're no, we can we talk about it. Just like, I just don't get, like, like oh, like, we have a thousand bow, like, we have thousands of bow hunters. That's an exaggeration. We have loads of bow hunters on the show. I've no stranger to bow hunt. You bow hunt. I just don't get it. What's the, what was the, oh, the, it doesn't even matter. You don't talk about bow hunting enough. Well, he has a anecdote, an anecdote laden rebuttal to the idea that there's a higher wound loss. Oh, that, that, that there's higher wound loss with archery than firearms backed up by the fact of three things that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Fooled that was a randomness. problem. Do you have any concluding uh, thoughts, Yanni? Uh, no. Really? All right, Doug. You don't like veal. I, I, I'd love to talk about it more, but I just feel like I'm done talking about livestock. Fair enough. I'm done talking about livestock too. Uh, man, it's just nice to be here in South Dakota. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've covered so many different things here that I. I mean, there's tons of stuff I'd talk about, but listen, I feel bad. I only don't want to talk about it because. Like, about uh, veal? No, I don't want to talk no, about guess, veal either. I just don't feel like, because, you know, I, I just I don't feel like with all the, just the, the recreational outrage that it'll generate of some guy who raises veal and his cows are the nicest cows in the world. So I have a con- concluding thought then. I, okay. I, I, one of the things I actually thought about before I came, uh, I asked Yanni, well, you know, should I be prepared to talk about anything? I said, if I've ever been prepared to talk anything when I've been on one of your podcasts, but. Yeah, but it's like that, it's like that Picasso quote. Picasso, Pablo. The whole... Well, been, he like sketches a thing out on a napkin, right? And it's worth all this money. And someone says, hey, it only took you five minutes. He says, that took a lifetime. Yeah. Right? So you're just prepared from... A life, lifetime. Life 50, 59 years now. Uh, I'm, I, 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 it's nice to take a break from talking about CWD, which I've been doing a lot of. So, yeah. Uh, That's your concluding thought. That is my concluding thought. Roof? Rough? Like I've known Ronnie since 1964. I remember. How old were you guys that year? Uh, I was four. He was maybe five, five or six. Naked in the pool? Uh, <laughs> well, <they> probably were. <laughs> but not in high school. Well, I've, I've met, you know, I've known about you for years. I remember when he hired you, when, when your dad promised him a couple of good <laughs> workers. Promised and, my work. Pro, he <laughs> gar- guaranteed, guaranteed my labor. That's yes. right. Yeah, that's yes, right. he did. But I've, I've met a lot of people here at, at Pheasant Fest. So if you line them up one through a hundred, this in this whole hunting and sportsmen and and it's all around you know obviously pheasants fest this week, number quail. one quail and quail. If you line up these people, hundred people, one in a hundred may not be attached, but there's a bridge from one to two all the way down where these people are all linked together, and it's you're, it's, find, you're finding that out. Yeah, it's from it just spreads there. so horizontal. It's crazy. Yeah. It was cool. Very though. cool. Yeah. Good. Oh, that's a deep that's a good plug for Boy, wow. I don't have. I can't. Even you got come. nothing like that. Well, can't I, top of that. I would like to encourage all your listeners to, to never fight. let their dogs get out of sight, <laughs> and, and to listen to my podcast called the Hunting Dog Podcast, which we started on the same day three years ago. Shameless promotion. Shameless plug for shameless. Ron available Bates. on any format where all, a fellow finds a podcast. All formats they can find the Meat Eater. They can find the Hunting Dog Podcast. If you want to do a deep dive into hunting dogs. That goes beyond just losing a couple of them. Right. It goes into, we've had, we've had conservationists on, we've had trainers on, we've had breeders on, we've had Pheasants Forever on, Rough Grouse Society, come on, loggers, come on. 
So I try to cover a lot of topics, but just the same shameless plug. With the center of the bullseye being bird dogs. Yes. Always a connection to if the person's going to be a logger, he's got to have a bird dog. It's like, you know, we've got something to yak about. So I thank you for starting your podcast in Texas. And we thank Joe Rogan for starting you on your podcast in Texas because that's how you got started. First ever episode. And that's Ransom Canyon, Texas. And that's as soon as I hung up the headphones, I said, I'm going to do this about dogs. It's life for me. So thank you, Stephen. Um, I don't have any concluding thoughts. I do feel real guilty about cutting you off about that veal, Doug. I don't know why you would feel guilty about it. Hey, table that up. All right, thank you for listening. <laughs>